Isn't it incredible that God would invite us into this? That each and every one of us sit here today because God first called us, and now we get to experience this together? Like, what a God we serve. What a God we serve. We are going to be diving in. Uh, actually, this morning, we're going to be diving into 1 Corinthians because we will be, uh, uh, we are, are through Romans? That's crazy. How many of you enjoyed Romans this past week? Isn't it an incredible book? There is so much in it. And constantly, as I was reading through Romans, I was reminded of Pastor Jason's uh, example last week. I don't know what service you were at. If you were at the 9 o'clock and you were equally as worried as I was for his white shirt as he was pouring all that food coloring out. Or if you were at the 12 o'clock where he learned a couple lessons from the 9 o'clock. And oh man, what, a, what an amazing, amazing representation of the freedom that we have in Christ. And as Paul establishes this, this revelation that he had in his own life, and he's communicating it to the people of Rome, he continues that message into the church in Corinth. And so if you have your Bibles, our first note of Scripture today is going to come from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 9 to 10. should introduce myself this morning. My name is Pastor Mitch. I am uh, the campus pastor here in Canada, and uh, it is just such an honor to be with you today. Paul spends about 18 months uh, with the church in Corinth before he pens the letter that we're going to read today. Now, there are other letters that have been circulating from him that the, the church of Corinth had already read. It's such an interesting time in church history, right? The church is brand new. It's being established. The Holy Spirit is on the move. God is bringing people to this new understanding of who Jesus is, this person that many of them maybe heard of, maybe they saw him in the street, maybe they heard of the resurrect, maybe they saw him in resurrected form. Like, this is the reality of the church that we're reading about. Now, they don't have what we have today. They don't have the New Testament. They're living it. And so a lot of their services are either people getting up and quoting from the Torah or people getting up and sharing these letters that the apostles had written. And so Paul lives with the Corinth church for about 18 months before he begins to discuss to them a very core issue of what it is that he's seeing. See, Paul loves the church of Corinth. We're going to see this echoed not only in, in 1 Corinthians, but also in 2 Corinthians. Paul has a real heart for these people. He's a friend to them. And true friends tell you what's up, right? Come on. True friends tell you what's up. Have you ever been in this situation where you get home from a hard day's work? It's four o'clock, five o'clock. You just driven through traffic and you get home and you're in the mirror for some reason and there's a piece of lettuce. Right? And your immediate thought is, how long? How long has that lettuce been sitting there in those seats? And how many people saw me today and just out of the kindness of their hearts didn't say anything because they didn't want to embarrass me, but then 50 other people probably saw, you know what I'm saying, right? Or heaven forbid, there's something hanging out of your nose. Like, have you ever been in that situation where you finally see what everyone else has been seeing and you're like, nobody said anything. Oh, true friendship is this. Pulling someone aside and saying, hey, I just want to let you know, you got a boogie, right? 
Do you feel that? Right? When somebody does that, there's that immediate response of like, okay, like how long? But then immediately you turn to that person, you say, hey, like, are we best friends? Right? Because that's what you just did for me. You changed my life. This is what Paul is doing for the church in Corinth. True friendship doesn't just allow someone to go through their entire day with lettuce in their teeth or boogers hanging out of their nose. True friends speak up. And this is what Paul is doing for the church in Corinth. Now, he's going to be talking about some pretty serious things as you journey through this letter. But it is important to understand the heart of what Paul is doing. Paul is saying, listen, we are being called, as Pastor Jason told us last week, as Paul wrote to the church in Romans, we are being called to represent someone here. We have been saved and set free. Eternity written on each and every heart. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your sins are forgiven. You are a new creation, but now there is a responsibility that you are to represent he who set you free. Why? Because once salvation falls on your life, it is now yours to try to give away. Come on. Once salvation falls on your life, it is now yours to try to give away. Once you have that understanding of who Jesus is, our heart's desire would be, God, you're too good to keep to myself. How can I show others who you are? And the beautiful thing about the church is this, is that you are not called to represent him alone. We are called to speak into each other's lives, just as Paul is doing for the church in Corinth. See, Paul has been living with them for 18 months, and he begins to see the symptoms of things that are taking place. And Paul will address a lot of these symptoms, and they can be shocking. They can be hard to read, but don't miss the intention of Paul to not just address the symptoms, but the roots. There's sin that is present in the church in Corinth, and Paul will address that, but he also wants to identify in the church that the root of where these sins are flowing out is pride. As Paul is is living with the church in Corinth, what he realizes is that there is a pride when it comes to their identity in Christ. They have understood portions of the freedom that they exist in, but instead of, uh, of, of living in this freedom and running from sin... They have embraced God's freedom and dwelled in in sin. See, pride is, is at the core of so many, if not all, of the sins that are listed in the Bible. In pride, we no longer distinguish between freedom and sin. We arrive here most often by using God's grace as an excuse to continue a life of sin without regard. Terry Lee Colbo puts it like this. Freedom in Christ isn't freedom to sin. Come on. It is us being empowered by the Holy Spirit to no longer be enslaved to sin. See, freedom in Christ means hearing that temptation, feeling that draw to something that you know doesn't represent him, and saying, I know who I am because I know who set me free. I don't need that in my life any longer. Yes, I may want it. Yes, I may desire it, but... but, Beloved, this morning, we are not called to live for our own desires and wants. Hallelujah. We are called to live for he who set us free. 
As Christians, the church in Corinth was using this freedom in Christ specifically uh, to engage in, in, in lots of sexual immorality. The symptom is sexual, but the root of their issue is pride. It's, I want what I want. And as Paul addressed the root symptom, we'll begin to read a, a very vital point of differentiation. By the time we arrive at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll see this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 9 to 10 reads as such. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. So Paul here is actually quoting a different letter that he had already written uh, to the church in Corinth. Not at all meaning the sexual immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would not need to go out of the world. I love that Paul highlights this as he's addressing what it means to walk in step with one another, what it means to see lettuce in someone else's teeth and say, hey, I don't think that's supposed to be there. Paul says, listen, when I'm writing you these words, when I'm talking about sin, I want you to understand that I'm not telling you to put the weight of God on people that don't know him yet. Excuse me? I'm telling you to not put the weight of God on people that don't know him yet. See, Paul is saying, listen, those who are outside of the church, they are the ones who deserve the greatest grace. They are the ones who deserve for us to step in and love with all that we have that they might see Jesus. See, those who don't know Jesus... They don't yet live under God's sexual or financial ethic. To live as though Jesus is Lord. And this is important for us to remember because, church, we can be so quick to put ourselves above others within the church. And this is one area that Paul is challenging us. Don't do this. Right? What did God, what did Jesus himself say? He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And if we are also called to be followers of Christ, then we are also to put on that same mantle, not to be served, but to serve. That others would see out of our love for them, out of our love for what it is that they're doing, out of our desire to represent who God is, that they would see who Jesus truly is. We are not called to enter into different friendships or relationships with the desire to fix people. Amen? Come on. There is nobody in your life that God has specifically placed there for you to put the title project over their, over their head. Amen? That is not, it, it is not, they are not projects, they are people. They are loved, they are beloved, they are the same, they, they are so loved by God that he sent his son to die for them. That is our communication to those that don't know Jesus yet, come on. They're not projects to fix. They're opportunities to love. No one appreciates being entitled to project or for you to simply be engaged with them so that they will turn into the people that you want them to be. No, our desire is that they would fully understand who God created them to be and in that they would become who they were always meant to be. It may not look like anything what I want them to be. They may not bring me Tim Hortons every single day. That's okay. That's okay. Maybe they're Starbucks people. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. Okay, so here we go. 
But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, don't, don't, don't take what it is that I'm saying and just put it on the people outside of the church. God has called us to engage with them. Jesus had this amazing piece of his story. Right? What was one of the things that the Pharisees used to throw at Jesus all the time? That he was a friend of sinners. Wow. Isn't that an incredible message to bear? Who are you? I'm Jesus. I'm the son of God. And the Pharisees come up and they're like, no, no, no. He's just a friend of sinners. Because what were they doing? They were pointing the finger. They were trying to tell people what they were doing wrong. And Jesus walked in to their lives and he said, hey, you know what? I think relationship is important in this story. I think engaging with people at their heart level is important in this story. If I'm ever going to have the opportunity to speak into their lives, they first need to know that I love them. This is where the Pharisees missed it. And so, beloved, this morning, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, how are you intentionally engaging with people that don't know Jesus? What are your expectations of them? As Paul continues to describe this, this, this issue of pride with the symptoms of sexual immorality, he goes a little deeper and says, listen, there are those that don't know Christ, but there are also those within our midst who know Christ, but are genuinely struggling. I loved that illustration last week. Because sanctification is really hard to understand, isn't it? It's the understanding that each and every one of us are in need of grace because we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey to look more like Jesus. And no, not one of us will ever fully look like Jesus until we see him face to face. Our Bible tells us, and as we dig more and more through the New Testament, we'll see this, that one day we will stand before God, each and every one of us, and every tear will be wiped away. Every issue will be put to rest. And sin will cease forevermore. But until that day, we are called to stay on the altar of self-sacrifice. That is the calling in our lives. But it's, it's difficult and it's hard. And, and there are people in our midst who, who, who are, are on a truly genuine journey with God. And yet sin still has a, a hold on their life. And what are we called to do? Are we called to simply speak in and, and speak down? No, we are called to do exactly what Heartstrong Season 2 is gearing us. Beloved, we're called to pray. We are called to pray. You have already seen it demonstrated a couple times this morning. Isn't there such power in prayer? If you're here this morning and you are believing God for something, maybe you're here today and you say, hey, Pastor Mitch, I have some things in my life. I have some sin that I would really like God to help me deal with. I have some things that I've been struggling with. I want to encourage you before you leave today to just head over to our prayer room right here, uh, right through these back doors. You can go through the doors right adjacent. On a whiteboard in there listed from our prayer team are all the prayers that were answered in 2023. And the board is packed. In fact, there might even be two boards in there. You can talk to Lindsay after the service. Like, like our God is incredible, church. And what it is that you're praying for, he is great enough to deliver. He is ready to move in your life. 
As Pastor Jason demonstrated last week with the water and, and food colors, listen, God's grace through Christ breaks the penalty of sin. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sin is forgiven in Jesus' name. I know the enemy may like to bring up your past. I know there's times when things get difficult and all of a sudden, for some unknown reason, you start to remember what it is that you were doing before Christ. But I want to encourage you today that my Bible tells me that your sin is washed under the blood. And if somebody is bringing up your life pre-Christ, it's not God the Father. Come on. Mm. If something or someone is bringing up your life pre-Christ, it is not God the Father. Because your life pre-Christ is washed under the blood. You are a new creation. Grace through Christ breaks the penalty of sin. And God's grace through Christ breaks the ongoing power of sin over your life. One day, God's grace through Christ will break the presence of sin forever. Unbelievers bear the penalty of sin, but believers trust that Jesus has entirely borne this penalty on the cross on their behalf. There's a world of difference between genuinely struggling and the wounds that are affecting us that require healing from trying to discover who we are, from trying to discover who we are in active rebellion against God. See, rebellion is described as this. It's knowing what is true, yet choosing to move away from God. Repentance is knowing what is true and choosing to move toward God. There's a difference between genuinely struggling with sin and the wounds that affect us, right? As we begin to give words to this, it may become more clear. This past week, I, I sat with my youngest son and had that also fun conversation about how life just isn't fair. I know you only got one cookie. And sometimes that's just the way it goes. Tears, right? I want five. I know, I get it. But trying to establish something in a, in a nine-year-old that God willing will carry him through his days because there are times in our life where we can truly look around and ask God, what in the world are you doing right now? This isn't fair. Diagnoses of cancer, losing loved ones, watching as things take place where you just know it's just not right. There are wounds that will affect us in this world because our world is still fallen. Our Bible tells us that even creation is yearning for the second coming of the Father. The world is not the way that God intended because sin is present. And so there are things in our life that will happen that are difficult, but there's a difference between walking through difficult seasons and knowingly struggling with sin. The third thing that Paul begins to establish here is that there are those who know Christ, but choose to live in active rebellion. One of the things that should separate the church from a cult is that in cults, they're closed and, and full of control and manipulation. But in the church, we don't, folk, we don't function as a cult. People are free to come. 
And there are times where we will also need to be free to let people journey on their path. When people choose to live in active rebellion, church, we never withhold love, amen? But in love, through prayerful discernment over time, there are situations where it's actually the right thing to just allow them in love to walk that path. One of the stories in the New Testament, a rich young ruler comes to Christ and he says, teacher, what do I need to do? Jesus turns to him and says, sell all your possessions and follow me. The rich young ruler turns to his possessions and he's not able to give them up and instead walks away from, from Christ. In 1 Corinthians 5, 11, Paul writes this, Now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reveler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, but you are called to purge the evil person from among you. Judging is never us playing God. Only he knows the truest motivations and eternal destinations. Judging is, from love, having a high view of God's grace and a clear view of the damage that sin does. Not being afraid, from love, to call a spade a spade or a booger in a nose. Judging within Christianity is such a, a difficult subject, isn't it? Because on one hand, we are called to live within the grace that God gives. But on the other hand, we're also called, as Jesus did, to call people out of sin. To not just allow sin to flourish. And so this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, if you here in, in, in Corinth are going to represent God, then you need to represent his son. We're not called to judge those who don't know Jesus. To require them in our lives to live up to the standard that God has set. When it comes to loving those outside of the church, we are called to represent that standard and actually invite people into that journey. Amen? that they would be able to taste and see that God is good. And when we invite them into that journey, they're coming here. They're coming to Kanata Life Center. Why? Because this is a great place to grow in your faith. I look around this room and I am so thankful. I told you already that God has been challenging me to give thanks. It can be so easy to put prayers before him of where it is that he wants us to go and what it is that he wants us to do and not just sit in that moment and say, God, but look at who you are. Look at what you've done. And church, I want to encourage you this morning that all week, that's what I've been doing on your behalf. Thanking God for the church that is here. 
And I know that there are those this morning that you are genuinely struggling with different things. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you're running after God with all of your heart and yet still you haven't been able to break that addiction. Maybe you're here this morning, you're running after God with all your heart, but it just seems like anytime something rough happens, you, instead of uh, going straight to the throne room, you, you, you lean back on your old ways. Beloved, I want to encourage you this morning that God has the power to break that sin in your life. You are not a slave to sin. Come on. You are free in Jesus' name. Maybe this morning you actually need to lean on some of the relationships that are around you. As Jordan said, maybe you need to come out on Tuesday night. Maybe that's the place that you need to pray for your high school. We'll pray with you. Because our God is bigger. He is greater. And he sent his son to die on the cross so that anything that you're struggling with when it comes to sin, if you have a hard time telling the truth, God can point you in the right direction. Maybe you're here this morning and you love the hot goss. God can break that over your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you just can't seem to conquer being alone with a computer. God can set you free. He can restore your soul. If you're here this morning, you're genuinely struggling, you are in the right place because this is not a room full of perfect people. This is a room full of strugglers on their journey to meet Jesus, to look more like him each and every day. But we go hand in hand and arm in arm, encouraging one another, hey, we know who we serve. We're gonna see victory in your life. But if there comes a time where there is acknowledged sin with no heart for repentance, with no desire to run closer to God, I want to encourage you today, we will not allow you to walk with lettuce in your teeth. Because that's not actually friendship. Amen? That's not actually love. To simply turn a blind eye out of a desire to not want to wreck the relationship or out of a desire to not want to offend. It is not love to allow someone to knowingly journey further and further and further into sin. It is love to step in and say, hey, I love you too much to let you keep going down this path. I love you too much. to allow your representation of Jesus to be marred by this thing. And I know that you know that you know that God is calling you out. And so I want to stand right alongside you. And I want to call you out of that too. That's love. That's what Paul's doing, right? 
He looks to the church in Corinth and says, listen, I want you to represent the Father, but what you've done is you've actually made an excuse through the term grace. You have, you, you, you're starting to, to dilute and, and, and mar this amazing word that is grace. It was by grace that Jesus came to the earth. It was by grace that he willingly went to the cross. It was through grace that he hung there and died for each and every one of us. Not so that we could live in sin, no. He died so that we could be free. Jesus died on the cross so that sin could be defeated in your life. So that the root of the evil one, where he would try to drag you down, where you could say, not me, for I know who lives in me. And he is not calling me to live a little bit in the light and a little bit in the dark. He is calling me to run from the dark. It is not love to simply allow someone to knowingly live in sin. As they call God their Savior, know it is love to do what Paul is doing to say, hey, there's freedom available to you, but do not abuse the grace that God has given you because this story isn't just about you. See, the story for the church in Corinth was is that they were surrounded by those that didn't know Jesus yet. And the story for us here in Life Center is, is that we're surrounded by those who don't know Jesus yet. And as we invite our coworkers, our loved ones, our neighbors into this place, yes, there may be genuine struggle, but this is a church that loves Jesus and is truly running after him. And as such is a place that you can bring people that don't know Jesus and know that as they get to know the people in the room, they're going to see Christ. They're gonna have an opportunity to give their life to him, get baptized in water, and be the people that God has truly created them to be. And that is our desire for you here today. God's grace is incredible, isn't it? His freedom is miraculous. And so as Paul is calling the church in Corinth, Life Center, let's also make that commitment that we will not walk knowingly in rebellion, but instead that we will lean on the relationships with each other, encourage each other to run deeper so that our world can know who God truly is. I'll leave you with this. Before you ever speak into someone's life, get to know them first. Paul spent 18 months in Corinth before he spoke these words. This message is not permission for you to act on things that you've heard about someone else's life. This message is not permission for you to see one mistake and jump on that and be like, ah, I see the lettuce. No. This message is permission to dig in deep with each other, to establish a relationship that goes beyond just Sunday mornings. Come on. There's WhatsApp groups that I know about right now where they're sharing information about what God is speaking about and, and encouraging them through their prayer and fasting. Church, I want to encourage you, be the church. You're not the church alone. 
Hello? You're the church together. You need each other. And so this isn't permission to be a Pharisee. This is permission to be Jesus. Pharisees were quick to point fingers. Jesus was quick to get to know. He sat, he rested, he ate with. And in that, he received permission to speak to the sin that was present and call them to the Father who he actually knew. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would establish this message in our hearts today, God. Lord Jesus, for those outside of an understanding of who you are, God, may our hearts break for them. God, may we not see them for what it is that they do, but may we see each person that doesn't know you as an opportunity, Lord God, to show them and introduce them to the Son. Holy Spirit, give us the words. Illuminate people in our lives where you're already at work that we would be able to enter into relationship and enter into conversation and lead them to you. But may our representation be true. God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, God. May it be established here on earth. God, let heaven touch down here in this place. Each and every Sunday, God, we invite you. So God, for those in this room who are in the midst of struggle, God, I pray that you would speak into their lives right now. And if there are those in this room who are knowingly, Lord God, walking in a direction that's opposite of you, God, I pray right now that you would speak into their lives. Holy Spirit, that you would always be the first and that we would then just follow in behind. For we want to see each and every one free. Free. Let them be free, God. Let them be free. May sin have no power in this place. For through your blood, it has been defeated in Jesus' name. So God, call us deeper into that truth. In Jesus' name.